Hey there, Film Buds. Welcome back to the Film Buds podcast. I'm your host, Paul. And I'm Lauren. And we are continuing on our summer movie season this week. Uh, But this week, we're getting into sexy summer. We're getting into into showing some skin and uh, getting into a little sin. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. Did you make that up? Yeah, just now. Fantastic. Thank you. Uh, And so today's episode is all about uh, the neo-noir sort of boom. And we're focusing on on two that take place in Florida. Um, It's, uh, you know, it's been sort of a fun season. We've done a lot of different summer movies a lot of different summer topics so far. We did hot political topics mm-hmm. in our first episode for 4th of July. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, we did some some true life, you know, hot summers with The Endless Summer and The Summer of Soul, mm-hmm. two summers of the 1960s that are pretty iconic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now we're moving into our neo-noir episode. Uh, you know, our sort of, you know, hot bodies, scantily clad people, you know, a lot of sweat and sex appeal and uh, and chemistry on screen. Yes. Very, very hot and sexy in here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I think it's a I think it's a pretty fun episode. Um, it really was sort of born out of us just having watched Body Heat before. Mm-hmm. Um, and us, like, it, it, we'll talk about it a little bit as, you know, we get into it. That's one of our movies today. Um, when we watched it, it was one of those movies that just had heat, you know, on, on screen. Mm. Um, but also I think what was so entrancing about the movie was, of course, the heat between the characters mm-hmm. as well. Um, and so I think that it really, I think that the title really does that great sort of double entendre, uh, thing that the noir genre overall is so known for, Mm -hmm. right? Constant double meaning. Yeah. Um, and so we decided to go and do, based off of that, an entire neo-noir double header episode. Um... And it's, I think, going to be a pretty fun episode, but before we get too deep into it, I did want to kind of ask you two questions as our little opening chat, if I may. Sure. Uh, the first one is, I realized we haven't really compared how on-screen visually hot, or even in terms of, I guess, um, how it makes one feel in a certain way, how hot any of these films are. Okay, 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 okay. What is your definition of the word hot in this moment <clears throat> right now? Okay. So, like, I think that Do the Right Thing has both a literal on-screen heat in terms of people being hot, all the summer activities, you know, all the bright summer colors, the summer color palette. Um, but then I think it also has a scene of sex appeal, Okay. But then I think it also has just the heat of the moment across the board. 
Okay. Okay. High heightened tension that mm-hmm. usually is related to to being uncomfortably hot. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're more likely to pop off and and do whatever. Yeah. Because you just don't care anymore. Exactly. Um, all the president's men was certainly hot in topic, but also um, it wasn't. It may not have been a a hot movie, but it wasn't a cool movie. And I would say that some of those office scenes looked uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, also it's it's a, you know, imagine an office in the 70s. Yeah, everyone chain smoking, you know, you're in a suit. Yeah, you know, the air conditioning is not how it's built today. Yeah, so it, where it, it can pump 8,000 cubic feet of purely AC air and you every know, 60 who knows? seconds. Uh, I'm sure that we could ask somebody, but who knows in this general room at the moment how when when air conditioning became like a a more standardized practice at all? Yeah, of every office building. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some places could just not have air conditioning. So uh, to your point, um, there were definitely it's because they're also like running around. And some crap. of the some of the um, the garage scenes had like a this is a hot summer night feel to them. You know, a little mm-hmm. bit of a glisten on on Redford, a little bit of a glisten on Holbrook, you know? No, yeah, the the wanting to roll up of the sleeves, you know, you're mm-hmm. not going to do that if you're cold. Yeah. Uh, and then conversely, moving into... So I guess that's my criteria. So based off of that, I've shared some of my thoughts. Do you have any opinions? You don't have to be as long-winded as I was. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you had to just sort of give a general heat index rating on you know like a a scale of one to ten if you wanted of 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 what of overall heat in your opinion how summer feeling what were the movies that we have done so far the four movies that we've reviewed so far okay okay um not including the ones that we're talking about yeah we'll talk about those later okay okay so of the movies thus far Mm -hmm. that are that I feel like have the feel like summer mm-hmm. in them. Um, well, I think that's the ones that are like super like on the nose for me, like the the surfing one. Um, Endless summer. Yeah, you know the literal idea of of chasing the the season. You know, I think that that's you know the probably the boldest thing. That I've ever seen, you know, that's, that's pretty brass to just be like, I'm going to travel the world in, in search of summer and, and perfect wave. Yeah, exactly. And the idea of like, in theory, that being a sustainable lifestyle for a Mm -hmm. person, you know, fascinating. Um, so like that, I think that, I think that you're right. I think that do the right thing is completely hot movie, just in every sense of, of the word, you know, it feels like like summer because it is just you know these sweltering temperatures you know this this sweltering chemistry the 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 sweltering tension everything is just hot and the moment that everything you know cools off is like near the end of the movie and that's like also like symbolized by like literal cooling happening of like the tensions of this area you know so um I don't know, it kind of reminds me of this episode of Hey Arnold a little bit. Mm. You know, where it's, you know, it's these kids in New York 
in the in the dead in the of, hottest day of the summer. Yeah, exactly. And everybody's you know like laying out on their their stoops and stuff. And the and AC like, isn't pumping it out hot and yeah, you know, cold enough. And yeah, and, and somebody like cranks um opens up a a fire hydrant mm-hmm. and like the literal like this spring of activity. You know, everybody ends up like you know springing to life because of. Oh, this is this is way more this is way more comfortable than than what I was experiencing beforehand. Um, but honestly, that's I feel like it's probably one influenced the other a little bit because I mean, I don't know when Hey Arnold came out, but I'm sure it was after Do the Right Thing. Yeah. Um. But let's see, what other movies have we done? Summer of Soul. Oh. And All the President's Men. So I think that for me, I think that all the all the president's men is probably like it's my, a midsummer movie to a lesser. Yeah, I think that it's probably going to be like my last placer on the like the current list that we have. Yeah, exactly. Because Summer of Soul is also like a profoundly summer movie. Yeah, for sure. You know, and it, the idea of getting to go to a summer concert and like these people were obviously hot you know you see uh what was it? who was it it was it was um diana and the pips and and her poor pips were like in full suits doing their dances and they didn't miss a beat but you better believe that man sweated through his suit and you saw it yeah you know interesting random aside that um you know we talked about the two concert docs of great 60s music documentaries of summer of soul and the the peter jackson get back series um what's so interesting is um also the sort of clash summer of soul and the harlem cultural music festival was kind of you know in the late 60s just before after a lot of you know struggle and strife for the black community was also at like this real great emergence into you know the the mainstream sort of landscape in the 70s you know where like black culture started to dominate you know sort of parts of popular culture with like michael jackson in the late 70s going into the 80s taking off and things like that well honestly it was all started you know with this final transition point which Mm -hmm. is this like this you know revitalization this this love of what it means to be black you know not using it as an insult anymore but using it as something to be proud of and something to aspire to and and to show off conversely get back comes at the end of a band's career right when they're breaking up and even though they're they'll never not be friends they'll never not be close but they have to be apart for a while now and it's the dead of winter yeah and it's i think this interesting kind of um this right place right time for the for the season and the and the narrative themselves of what's going on but also a weird juxtaposition against each other as well yeah cuz also it is in you know very close time wise together mm-hmm. you know timeline for us so it's also very interesting that you know while one group is having like a rebirth another's is 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 closing that final door Mm -hmm. and i think that's really interesting well and you know on a certain level i guess you could almost really read um the beatles breaking up kind of as like the beginning of the end of the of the british wave Mm. and the rise of disco and motown and stuff like that moving into the 70s and progressive rock well yeah no for sure um 
No, it's, it's, uh, that's, I've always found the, that transition into what is the 70s to be just a, a fascinating topic, because the 70s is like no other decade. You know, the 60s gets there, but it's, there's a real solid boom of, of honestly, like a very summer feeling in the 70s, just as a whole, you know, there's a lot of, there's high tensions, there's, there's, there's high sex, there's, you know, we're, we're, we're pushing boundaries in every direction for the first time truly and it's and it, it's an, ex, an explosion of rainbow mm -hmm. and and bell bottoms and afros and it's fantastic um but <laughs> um but summer of soul i think is a very successful summer feeling movie you know yeah. it's up there to do the right thing yes you know, in for, terms of how successfully summer it is yeah and i think that that's really um fascinating as well that that both of these films were our people of color films mm -hmm. You know, um, both generally centered around the same people of color, but it's 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 people in who live in New York, this multi ethnic environment that is that is black, Hispanic, you know, Asian and white all mixed together more more evenly than one might expect. Yeah. Um, the other question that I wanted to ask you very quickly was before we get into you know, both of our noir, neo-noir films, at the core of noir and neo-noir as a genre is sex appeal, mm -hmm. typically. You know, you have the femme fatale. Mm -hmm. um, and the femme fatale can have as much attraction with the camera and the audience as she wants, but that also doesn't necessarily equate to chemistry with the, the leading man or the leading woman, whomever. Um... So I guess my question for you before we get into discussing these two films is what for you, just as a baseline for the discussion real quickly, creates good on-screen chemistry? How do you look at two actors on a scene and go, they're working? You know, and I know that it's kind of an X-factor thing that's hard to put into words, um, but if you as a, especially as an actor, I suppose, could kind of say what you consider the difference between they're two good actors acting well in a scene together and they have chemistry. Okay. Um, yeah, that's a loaded gun of a question. Um, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're fine. But My I thought it would be just... an interesting place to begin our discussion because no, for sure sex is so much a part of the noir genre well i think that especially when it comes to to sexual attraction um there has to to be attraction mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day you can be a great actor you can you can be a stellar fantastic actor everyone can feel present Exactly. You can, yeah, you can feel there and you're here with this other person and you're staring into their eyes. And but you're not. There's nothing there. <laughs> Y'all are never going to fuck. <laughs> no, never going to happen. And you just, you can't get past the first layer. And I think that that's, that's really the difference. And you can see it. You can see it happen when, when people are genuinely, like when the, when the moment is real, you can feel that. Um, as a, as a as an audience member, you know, as a as an actor, it it has to The thing is with acting is you have to condense a lifetime of experiences into moments. 
Could you almost say that chemistry is born from actors being able to quickly establish an emo- an emotional shorthand? Yes. I think that that's I think that that's completely I think that that's completely accurate. Um because it's also it's about trusting the person that you're you're across from. You know, and you don't have to know this person inside and out. You do not have to be besties with them. But there is kind of like the the sense of like if I were to fall right now, would this person instinctively catch me? Or would they freeze up and go, that's not my blocking. Or would they even intentionally, and this could also be from just in terms of creating chemistry on screen, would they intentionally not catch you? Yeah. And then not what because is... it's not their blocking, but because they're not going to. Yeah, and that, that also tells you something. And what does that aloofness tell you in terms of creating friction which is also its own form of chemistry. And also I think that um, talking without talking is, is a huge part of chemistry. You have to, you have to really find those, those silent moments and be able to fill those with something interesting that feels believable. That is not spoken. Exactly, because you have the lines, they're right there on the page, but it's the subtext. And, and being able to to truly go to those places with your with your with your scene partner is important in scenes like this because also you know when you're talking about sex sex is a personal thing mm-hmm. and so there are a lot of guards that you have to kind of like take away in order to to experience sex with another person mm-hmm. and so again in this instance there has to be a lot of trust between you and your acting partner about where are the boundaries these are my boundaries these are your boundaries and then you know putting that aside in the like side pocket of your brain and then doing the scene Mm -hmm. you know what i mean no absolutely and so there there are a lot of things that, that go into what what can make or break chemistry um and truly a lot of it is again like i said the that condensing of a lot of of a lifetime of memories with this person into moments into mm-hmm. into this this 2 hour movie you know you have to you have to get there faster than how you would in real life you have to you have to have these memories they have to be they have to be real well and also trying to capture the energy of meeting for the first time again mhm you know, you have to be able to to tap into, you know, this sort of essence of surprise and being able to be surprised by the person still. No, as yeah. Well. Uh, and also going back to what you said about text and subtext, I think it's also worth noting that I think that chemistry, I think you're right, does happen in the subtext. The moment that you say the thing out loud, usually in a scene... <laughs> You know, you've let all the air out of the room. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you let the silent thing happen, whether it's an I love you, whether it's a, a declaration of hate, whatever it is, I think that, and and not even just in terms of sexual chemistry, but any character chemistry, I think so often it is way more important and way more impactful to let the the silent thing go unsaid and let your characters just live in a moment of, of understanding. No. Yeah. Because also at the end of the day, if we're trying to recreate real life, there are moments of silence. 
There or are... you just don't say what you should say. Yeah, you know, life isn't a scripted thing. Sometimes you have to, to, to fight the words that you that you want to say and like you have to figure out around those words and those are the things that that's the the actor's job is to is to take these words that are written down that are exactly punctuated ex- the way that somebody said that this was the best way to punctuate it and now you have to bring these words to life but you can't just read them no because people have natural pauses they're you know you have to think of the things that you're going to say and but then you have to also do that with with another person well and you know you see in a line that they put some sort of stammer. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You can't just stammer also the exact way that they did it. Yeah, you have to find your natural rhythm. You can't just hit a perfect, uh-uh-uh, if that's not, you know, what what you necessarily feel in the, in the moment. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, a great scene that has, a, a, that is oozing with, with chemistry, um, is, is that scene from Mr. and Mrs. Smith with, um, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt. Where the gunfight turns into, uh, the, the sex scene. Yeah, the next morning, mm-hmm. when they're, like, tiptoeing through the kitchen in their, in their, their shitty fucked up kitchen, you know, every glass everywhere, and they're, they're just having a, a, a breakfast and orange juice, and they're just, you know... It's kind of cute. It's it's mm-hmm. this playful. It's got a lot of chemistry to it. Yeah, you know, obviously that's one of the things that probably sparked their whole marriage and relationship was this like finding that intimacy with another person. Mm-hmm. But that's also why people have showmances all of the time, all the time because they can't because they they go so far that there there isn't that real line separation anymore. You know, yeah. see every Spider Man and every every MJ. Yeah. You know, once you've some people can't cross that line and i guess um D- compartmentalize exactly you know in a, a, a professional manner yeah. yeah yeah this these are characters these people aren't real this is not me this is not this person mm-hmm. you know there are parts of us that are real in them but at the end of the day this is not us yeah and exactly and and because i've had to go so far into to finding these attractions with this person and because we're also constantly around each other playing this part you know, doing the things that these characters do, you know, uh, sometimes that leads to, like, real-life things mm-hmm. happening. But that's, you know, that's that's the business. No, yeah. Well, uh, like I said, at the core of today's discussion is chemistry, because we are discussing noir films, and in particular neo-noir films, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting sort of whole rabbit hole that we'll go down a little bit but first let's also have a little bit of a of a lesson on noir and sort of defining noir and neo-noir fantastic so uh classic film noir can be found as far back as the 1920s on a certain level um you know you have movies like m uh the fritz lang film which certainly informs a lot of the noir genre. It's maybe not a classic noir, but it's something called a proto-noir, which is how I kind of frame Hitchcock's uh, Psycho as a Mm proto-slasher more than a true slasher. Mm -hmm. Um, They were doing it before it was cool. Yeah, but the classical period and and like a big influence on the the slasher, or on the... the, um, on the noir film is like German existentialism, which mm-hmm. also just had a big influence on a lot of stuff in American cinema at that time. Um, 
But the classical period is considered to be the 1940s to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, there are several criteria that generally are used to describe a noir film. They usually have a lead character affiliated with the criminal world. There is usually a femme fatale. Uh, there is conspiracy. There is moral ambiguity. There are themes of pessimism, fatalism, or cynicism. Mm-hmm. And there is an overall sense of existential dread. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, the term comes from the French, who used it to describe the sensibility of American detective cinema. Uh, early examples of film noir, like I said, include M from Fritz Lang. In an American context, the noir films were oftentimes adaptation of Pulp Fiction stories. Okay. And Pulp Fiction got its name literally because of the paper it was printed on. It was cheap paper that wasn't really completely uh, ground down and pasted out into a nice, good paper blend. And so you would get this sort of, like, pulpy, shitty paper. Interesting. And now you can buy that on Etsy for, like, quadruple the price. Because it's, cause it's fancier. Um, early noir film was largely kept from depictions of sex and violence because of strict content codes called the Hayes Codes, which we've discussed before on the show. Uh, I believe that we discussed them especially in our I Love Lucy... Or yes, our, our, um, um, when we talked about the, the movie. The Lucille Ball, yeah. Yeah. Um, being the Ricardos. Yes, that is the name of it. Good um, job, good job. Much of what fueled the interest in noir films were the times themselves, which were informed by the Great Depression, modernization, World War One and World War Two, and social change and upheaval, um, and the uncertainty of, of the times in general, as well as the power of the gangster which was really, you know, gripping the nation at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Capone went down, but that was a man. The black hand still had its grip on America until the 70s. -hmm. And so um, classic film noirs include Stranger on the Third Floor, 1940, which is by many considered to be sort of the first. Okay. Uh, Double Indemnity, The Postman Always Rings Twice, and then, of course, you have Touch of Evil from 1958, which is considered to be the last. Interesting. Okay. The term noir was first introduced, like I said, by a Frenchman in 1945. His name was Nino Frank, Um, but it was codified by American film studies uh, in the 70s. Okay. Uh... Some argue that noir never actually went away and that it just changed shapes. Other argue that noir had a particular period and that everything else that came after is in some form a subset of noir. Okay, um, do you have, like, an example of these, like, just after the noir period? Yes. Fantastic. So, neo-noir... Mm-hmm is considered to be one of the derivative forms. Generally speaking, the peak of neo-noir is considered to be uh, the 80s and into the Mm -hmm. 90s-ish. However, there are some people who argue that the 60s and 70s include examples of neo-noirs like 1974's Chinatown. 
Okay. Oh, okay. Um, but a film that is largely often considered the first film of the neo-noir boom is 1981's Body Heat. Well, if, if this is a good inspiration piece, then I'd say... Uh, interestingly enough, the neo-noir boom also commingles with the independent cinema movement that started to take off in the late 80s, moving into the 90s and the early aughts, um, where you started to see certain people like the Coen brothers, Quentin Tarantino, and others go and cut their teeth doing cheap crime thrillers and noir films as their entry point into cinema. Okay. Uh, It's literally called Pulp Fiction. Oh. Well, would you look at that? So, um, I think that for me personally, sort of looking at it, I think that if we're talking about things that sort of fueled the interest in the neo-noir movement, I think one of them is the fact that it got imbued with a lot of on-screen uh, open sex and nudity, which had not been present in it at the same level before with the erotic thriller, and I think that that was titillating and interesting for people. But furthermore, I think that it's also fueled by the fact that it's at the Cold War. Uh, you are, at the end of it, approaching Y2K. You also have... Uh, you know, some of this uh, underlying war on crime sentiment, mm-hmm. right? America is being seen as sort of this growing lawless land, you know, and, and like Clinton runs on the whole like law and order sort of presidency stance, you know, he's a Democrat, but he believes in the police. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that these are sort of the things that are kind of, we're turning into a meaner people, you know, the nice 80s, late 70s is over and now it's becoming the mean grungy 80s and moving into the nasty 90s and that is what they call the 90s (laughs) and i think that that's kind of um what is fueling a little bit of this move toward Mm neo-noir altogether personally um and though there have been other sub-genre movements with the noir genre none of them really compare in terms of like the depth of of availability of content of of neo noir mm-hmm. there is an, another sort of subsect called neon noir that's almost getting into like that cyberpunk sort of aesthetic where you're starting to get into movies like blade runner oh okay like the tron movie uh yeah lesser so um but oh. close, close, parts of that movie very much so, like the nightclub stuff and some of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, anytime um, they have like a futuristic club scene. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. So that kind of thing. Copy, okay. Um, but like I said, the first movie that sort of is considered the real beginning of the period is 1981's Body Heat. Fantastic. Honestly, um, I can see why it kind of sparked a revamp, you know. Yeah. Um, it was released August 28th, 1981. It is an hour and 53 minutes long. It is rated R. 
It is written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan, who also wrote uh, the rewrite of Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cast, uh, the main stars are William Hurt and Kathleen Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ted Danson is also in the movie. He is also in this movie. The plot is in the midst of a searing Florida heat wave. A woman persuades her lover, a small town lawyer, to murder her rich husband. Classic. Um, so dear, what did you think of Body Heat? Oh, I really enjoy this movie a lot. I understand, um, you know, I think that it, it takes the, the, the idea of a noir movie and just really amps it up, you mm-hmm. know, really, really kind of pulls it out of the classic, we're going to set it in the 50s shtick that that so many noir movies in will do you know even to this day they're like we're doing it so on the nose it hurts mm-hmm. um where this movie is 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 set in 1981 you know and they found this this effortless way of melding these modern ideas and these um classic tropes into this this delightful roller coaster ride of of a mystery where you truly don't know, you know, you know where it's going, but it's, it's still, it's still, um, very fresh and interesting here as well. Um, no, I really have, I have no, I have no notes for this movie. Um, you, this is a perfect movie for the, for the theme of our, of our month, honestly. Boy, howdy are those people like they're actively warm and and there there's so many times when they have the little like classic uh, noir line of being like but don't talk about the heat mm-hmm. you know they, they they throw that one out there so many times and it's great um because it works and everybody knows what what they're doing and the fact that honestly um our leads have 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 great chemistry they're they're, they're top notch you know um I think that William Hurt does a phenomenal job as as our lead, Ned. I didn't even remember that his name was Ned. <laughs> Not even gonna lie. I don't think anyone calls him that. Not often. She she at one point is like, oh Ned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh that's just his name, people. Uh, we don't we don't need it. Ned though. Racine. Oh, whatever. Well uh, they they typically refer to him usually by his name whenever they're in any kind of legal proceeding scene mm-hmm. because it has to be for the legal record. And so that's usually the most that his name is ever said on screen. Yes. Is in any of the legal proceedings. Mhm. I I I absolutely love the the you Young know, Ted Danson character. Oh, for sure. I love the fact that he has black hair. You know, all my life Ted Danson has been a has been a silver foxed man. He's been silver as hell. Not a not a drop of color. And I just floored by the fact that he had such dark hair and just poof, n- no pigment now. F- fantastic. Um, and I think that Ted Danson does a really good job, really great job with this. I understand completely. Also, like why he was in Cheers. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this isn't a far character. This is right in his pocket of character to play. Um, 
But he also disappears a little bit, which is nice. Because it's not about him. No, not at all. He's servicing the the movie at large. Mm-hmm. No, and again, yeah, everybody is just really, really on point. Um, but I absolutely love the the like climactic like sexual tension scene, where like there are tr- there have been so many scenes where like you don't know whether or not she's gonna actually let him follow her home, and then she locks him out, and he fucking throws a chair. Or whatever, through her window, and then they have sex right there in the foyer. You know, it's just this, like, really great scene of, like, the heat of the moment, the the heat of the night, you know, where we've all been leading to, and then this just, like, poof, you know, the the waves crashing on the rocks moment of your, mm-hmm. like, climactic fury. It's And it's fantastic, and then we have this, like, nice, you know, ease back into this new part of the story where, like, he's hooked. And again, they just, they they do all the tropes, but they do them so well that you're almost unaware of them. You're right. In a lot of ways, that's almost like a, like an act turn. Exactly. Scene. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because now they're not the same, you know. It's almost like being bit by the vampire. Exactly. Um, and you know, there are so many times where you, you watch movies like this and you go, I, I get why they went down this line, but like, you know seeing it happen every time you're like she's fucking with you dude yeah but i think that they do a good job at teasing this out yeah exactly because she's doing a phenomenal job of leading him on you the not to get into too big a spoilers little little spoiler i guess moving forward but you know it's it's 40 years old (laughs) um the big sort of moment that you really go, oh, fuck, is the moment that you realize how long she's been planning it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the real... Because, like, you realize that at a certain point, it's going in the direction of, oh, he's going to get conned. It's like double indemnity. Oh, he's going to get conned. Yeah. But the, the big reveal is how long she's been fucking Well, that's what planning. I mean, you know? Like, that's why she's so good at just, like, keeping this thing going, you know? Like, she, he truly thinks that she's in love with him, and, like, maybe she does have feelings for him, but also she's got a goal, end goal in mind that doesn't include him. hmm And he's, he's the perfect sucker. Yeah. And I think that she does a phenomenal job. I think that the... I also, you know, applaud the, the, the costuming in this movie... Because they they managed to make people look just like the sexiest that they could possibly ever look in just like business attire. Yeah, just regular everyday clothing. Everyone looks really good, but also it again looks summery. But also scenes look hot. You know they they cram everyone into that diner mm-hmm, to where mm-hmm. you know it's not just hot outside, but everyone is so hot outside that now they're coming inside. And it's no relief in here because... Because now you're all crammed in together. Yeah. And, you know, there's maybe a fan going, but there's But those also... grill tops are going in yeah. this diner and... And doors constantly opening and closing. And people are moving and running around and it's not much better. Nope. Not at all. And the courtroom is hot. You know, it's mm-hmm. stifling in that old Florida courtroom of this small town. Honestly. You know, I think that they do a great job of, of using the setting and the locales and the costuming. And and also, you know, the makeup. You know, you gotta, 
you got to go in and you got to get them glistening. You know, you got to get the glycerin out and you got to spritz them. Not too much. That it looks like they're just sopping wet. Yeah, you don't want them to look like they've got body oil on. (laughs) You don't want them to look like The Rock in like a Fast and Furious movie. Maybe the whole cast of the Fast and Furious (laughs) franchise is baby oiled up. You know it. They all smell great. So... I think that they managed to hit that right blend. Um, and I think you're right. I think that this movie follows a a rigidly classical noir structure mm-hmm. in every conceit and every term of what that means. Um, and I, I think that that ultimately makes it um, like a really successful movie. How How familiar were you, I guess, going into this with noir tropes noir is a genre um you know the the classic ones i think that a lot of the looney tunes parodies yeah yeah i was i was gonna say that honestly um i because of the fact that things like this have been around for so long they have been parodied for eternity and so you can't watch really anything without something like referencing you know Casablanca Mm -hmm. or something you know where it's just a very overly dramatic you know mystery movie you know or or the the classic because there were tv shows the gangster movies with the gunning down and the tommy guns and all of that exactly exactly and there's always some woman in the middle of it all who and she she came and 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 stepped her legs into my office and I knew it was gonna be a hot and steamy night. You know, like yeah. it's, it's it's classic. Uh, um, Rorschach, that's his name, right? Um, yeah, he's he's a noir. Yeah, he's I a mean, noir whole, detective figure. You know, I mean, the whole thing is, and then again, another he's thing. He's got that's, the running monologue. Mm-hmm. Um. So I guess then also with that in mind, how did seeing especially like the first true neo-noir, but also having watched movies like Blood Simple, which we could have easily put with this movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you compare your more recent understanding of neo-noir against whatever you understand of classic noir? Um, well, number one, it's in color. Um <laughs> You know, in my brain, it's always, like, the very black and whites. Everybody's in, like, a suit and tie. You know, very, very Mad Men-looking aesthetic. Yeah, you know, um, very dramatic. And uh, so serious. Always dead serious. Mm Mm-hmm. But they also find ways of doing these fun shots where you're seeing exactly what the camera wants you to see and it's and it's you know her pearl necklace Mm -hmm. you know perfectly framed and it's it's a lot of artistry and it's a lot of time with it but i also understand how they could just they could crank these things out yeah because the formula was patent and they were and you also had the books to pull from yeah you had pulp fiction to just turn and burn into a script yeah and also you know great we've done that one we've we'll we'll just revamp it we'll do the sequels we'll we'll slap a different name on it and some different characters but we'll do the same exact narrative Mm -hmm. um but, but i i also really enjoyed the fact that this felt almost exactly like that mm-hmm. but this this new interesting way of doing it you know it, it it felt very um 
you know, familiar, but mm-hmm. also that I think that this is, even though it is very dramatic, it's a very dramatic movie and it's of its time. It is not as, 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 as stiff and as serious as those other ones were. And I think that that's a fun vein to go down, you know, this, this a little bit more flexible, um, yeah. environment because the modern world, you know, you have to, you have to live in it or else it feels like you're on a set. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, just as a random aside about, like, sort of genre and, you know, its tropes and its standards, I also think it's honestly disingenuous in some ways to say that a genre has to be confined to a single time, and I really think that it's sort of almost borderline silly to kind of differentiate body heat from the classical period. Because I think that genres do i'm more inclined to say that genres may arrive out of a particular time but they change over time mm-hmm, and this is just an evolution of that yes and you not know, like some weird subsect you know it's it's not you've got a and you've got b no because a doesn't exist anymore so technically all we have is b so technically b is a yeah this is where it went this is the bloodline Exactly. This is people having children, yes. you know, and, and making children. We can we can take it all the way and, you know, back to your ancestry going to Lincoln. Mm-hmm. You know, so that makes you our modern day descendant of Lincoln. Yeah, it doesn't make you some weird, like, subsect Lincoln, some weird knockoff Lincoln. Yeah, you're not like weird clone Lincoln. Yeah, or something, <laughs> you know... Just a strange mindset to be like, yeah. ugh. It's and and art is so progressive. You know, the slasher changed over time. The slasher was born out of a particular time. Very particular. Yeah. But it's evolved now. Yeah, because generations are influenced by the generations before them, and so they take those things and then they they tweak them a little bit, and they they spit out that mm-hmm. you know as a new thing. And then now for you know our children, body heat is going to be a classic. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's the same kind of thing. It's like this is the new classic, so therefore for somebody this is the original thing. Yeah. Um. So on a scale of all the president's men to do the right thing. How summer is this movie? Oh my God. Um, I think that it is, I think that it might be in like, mm, this is hard. I'd say it's like just shy of a do the right thing. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's probably sitting in second. I was trying to decide if it was in second or third place. Somewhere in there. But no, I think that that's, I think that on the scale of, of... It's on the hotter side. Yeah, for sure. And just every aspect of it, you know. The stakes, everything. Yeah. So if you had to rate the film out of five overall, what would you give Body Heat? Oh, I think that this movie's great. I think that this movie deserves a five out of five. I think that it's really just like a stellar piece of art, um... And it's just an interesting take on, on the genre. And, you know, I understand why people watch these things. Like, it's, 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 it's interesting. Mm-hmm. It's fun mystery. No, absolutely. Um, I think that I'm going to go with, uh, I think that I'm going to go with a five as well. You know, I, I definitely, to your point, also see why it, it is considered as one of the things that kicked off the boom again. 
I think that it does everything that it wants to do so successfully well. Yeah. Um, and I don't really see a lot of foibles in it. You know, even if it doesn't particularly blow you off your feet. This is just a very technically well-structured, well-crafted movie that manages to tell character effectively while moving the plot along quickly. It never feels sleepy. No, yeah, um, and like all character motivations can feel completely honest and true. To yeah, the nothing moment. feels out of left field. And that's when you know the the shocking ending comes out of left field because you're like, holy crap, you know. But it was so real. The whole thing was a lie. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can successfully convince me that the whole thing was a lie and have that being a shocking revelation, like. Kudos. Um, and I think I've, I've talked about it on the show before, you know. Um, uh, James Lipton was talking with Tom Hanks about Captain Phillips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were, he was on Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. Rest in peace. And James Lipton was talking about, he was quoting some sort of person, as James Lipton was, was wont to do. And... He essentially was was talking about, like, great acting is sort of absolutely projecting from the first moment the fate of the character, but still making it a surprise. Yes. And that, you know, you absolutely know the fate of the Captain Phillips character, and you even on a certain level have that instinct present the moment that you see Tom Hanks, but that at the end of that film, Tom Hanks still manages to do this transformative, surprising emotional journey. And, and I think that, I think that this movie manages to hit that point. Mm-hmm. From the word go, you know exactly where the story is going and it still somehow manages to just be as emotionally impactful and resonant and surprising in its final moments. Yeah. It's because it's damn good. Yeah. Damn fun. <laughs> uh, moving on, traveling 17 years into the future and kind of hitting now on the tail end of this thing, where also a lot of eroticism has been imbued into it with movies like Basic Instinct and stuff like that, we're now getting into one of the last sort of neo-noir films and, and one of the great sort of erotic thrillers, I would say, of that period, because I think that they sort of bleed together, is John McNaughton's Wild Things. It was released March 20th, uh, 1998. We watched the extended cut. The theatrical cut is an hour 48. The extended cut is an hour 55. So we will be reviewing the extended cut, I should say. And it is rated originally R. Um, It's written by Stephen Peters. It's directed by John McNaughton. It stars Nev Campbell as Susie Toller, Denise Richards as Kelly Van Ryan, Kevin Bacon as Ray Duquette, and uh, Matt Dillon as Sam Lombardo. The plot is a police detective uncovers a conspiracy behind a case involving a high school guidance counselor when accusations of rape are made against him by two female students. Wow, they really just, like, spell out that whole plot line. Um, so, I guess I'll go ahead and, 
and kick this one off as as I usually do on the second film. Yes. Um this is a movie that I had seen a few times before. The very first time I saw it was edited for television. It was on something like Spike TV and I knew about the movie because it was one of those films because of its salacious reputation. Mhm. Of uh, at the time the lesbian makeout scene in particular. The threesome scene is is what becomes the sort of later unedited content added in. Um, oh, I was going to ask you what what was the um, what's the difference? That's part yeah, of it. Yeah, interesting. Hmm. Um, titillating. And so, I had seen like the TV edited version years ago as a kid, and I had heard of its salacious reputation surrounding that infamous scene and i caught the movie long before that scene not right when it started but i caught the movie before that scene and i watched it through that scene and i kept watching the movie and the movie finished out and i was like this this movie is so much more than what that one scene fucking is and i was really pretty astounded at how that one scene had gotten so profoundly blown out of proportion that this movie got turned into this like mangled misshapen game of telephone it's that movie where nev kemble you know makes out with denise richards yep and that was it and so when i first saw this movie for the first time and i was so like blown away by it and i saw fucking bill murray in it who I didn't know was in it in any capacity at all. You want to talk about something that no one talked about. No one talked about Bill Murray being in this fucking movie. That's because he's not on the poster. (laughs) And so, like, I was really floored by it, and I I really liked the movie. And I thought it was really odd that people hated this movie, and so it ended up becoming one that eventually I got on on Blu-ray, and I, I watched it again, and I was like, no, like, this still holds up. Um... And so that's kind of my my backstory on it. We recently got the uh, Arrow uh, 4K re-release of the film. It's stunning. It's gorgeous. The movie's definitely never looked better. And I gotta say, it still holds the fuck up. In in many ways, I was actually still surprised how good it is. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't sure because it had been long enough. You always have that thing of how are you going to come back to a movie that you haven't seen in x amount of time you know Mm -hmm. i've changed from the last time i saw this how is it going to impact me again is something that i always go to with with a movie that i haven't seen in a long time and i was really just blown away at just the subtle ways in which this is a fucking well-made movie I mean, yes. I didn't know if you were sorry. I didn't know if you were going to continue. No, you're totally fine. He straight up stopped, and I was like, he's going to keep going. Um, So I had never heard of this movie before, um, you know, living with you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I wasn't aware of of any of the scandalous nature behind this movie or any of the stories or anything like that. Um, And... I remember you kept telling me that it was, like, Nev Campbell and and Denise Richards, and I was like... What the fuck does that look like? <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, no no part of that combination of people. You tell me Nev Campbell and, 
and uh oh god i'm blanking on her name the one rose mcgowan yeah that makes perfect sense makes total sense totally completely you know um i mean even nev campbell and matt dillon totally okay interesting nev campbell, kevin bacon oh what are we doing here makes sense you know, it's really, maybe it's just Denise. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> I think for you, it is just that Denise is the, is the sort of awkward wheel of this. Well, yeah, because like the only other version of like Denise Richards acting I've ever seen is, has been, um, uh, the, the space one. Starship Troopers? Starship Troopers was, is like the only thing that I'd ever seen of Denise Richards acting because she's, she's, she's a model, correct? She was a model she did do a fair amount of acting she's in a bond movie with pierce brosnan oh well that doesn't count uh she's she's like the main bond girl of a pierce brosnan movie she's dr christmas jones no yes but that 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 doesn't count Because you're telling me, I'm sorry, and and maybe maybe oh god, some Bond fans are gonna be like typing angrily into. She's their like computers. a nuclear physicist. No, <laughs> no, she is not. No part of me is ever gonna believe any version of reality where where Denise Richards is 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 she any also kind like of disarm a nuclear sub or some shit. Is like it this. with her boobs? Like, come on, guys! Like, God, Bond. Ah! Bond, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Lord have mercy. No, that's not, I mean, like, no offense to the to the Bond women out there, but, like, not a lot of those roles were hard. And none of, and, and a lot of those women didn't have careers Well, after. it was hard for Denise. She had to play a nuclear physicist. <laughs> you know they put her in something skimpy and everybody was like, don't It was worry. a Laura Croft outfit. Of course it, it was. It was essentially a glorified Laura Croft outfit. Fantastic. Because she was out working on like a like a pipeline energy program. <laughs> <laughs> so she was in the field. It's, I'm sorry. that This is exactly how I feel about Bryce Dallas Howard in the, the Jurassic franchise. You know, you want to talk about opposite of chemistry. Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, great chemistry. Chris Pratt. Bryce Dallas Howard. No, no chemistry. chemistry. None whatsoever. <laughs> They're looking through each other. <laughs> it's because the teleprompter is just past either of them. It's terrible. And the, the best one is the first one. Everything just goes just downhill. Uh, no, I haven't seen the third. No, why? <laughs> um, but anywho, back but, to Wild Things. So, like, my only experience with watching Denise Richards as an actor, because I knew her as a model. Mm-hmm. Like, all of the things that I ever saw of Denise, she was a model. You know, you see her in magazines and all these things. And, like, I wasn't really watching movies like this growing up. So, like, I had no idea. Or in, like, Starship Troopers, I definitely wasn't watching that in my home. The home I grew up in would have been scandalized. Um, by the shower scene. Um, <laughs> but... So yeah, I was just like so thrown by the the sheer idea of this movie. Um and honestly, like for the most part this movie really really works. And where it doesn't work is purely just in the campiness of it where some people just didn't sign up to the right movie. I I understand where you're at with that. You know, some people are really like in on the joke of like what this is because it's it's unlike 
unlike body heat. Which is doing an authentic thing. This is doing a, um, I'm gonna, it's, it's doing a Paul Verhoeven thing. Yeah, it's almost like an episode of Degrassi. It's so dramatic, but, like, in this, like, just ridiculous, like, arm flailing kind of fashion. It's this really interesting thing that I feel like a lot of movies do where they decide to use a high school setting to do something either really insane or, like, particularly adult. You've got that movie, The Faculty, which is Invasion of the Body Snatchers in mm-hmm. a high school. Mm-hmm. You've got Brick, mm-hmm. which is another noir film in a high school. So I think that it's really interesting that they use these kind of high school settings. Look at Mean Girls. Look at how heightened Mean Girls no, really yeah. is. You know, and you're you're aware of it from the beginning because, again, like, the world is built for this. And Paul Verhoeven is... is all levels of 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 a director um who could have done this yeah exactly you know this is very much like in in his kind of wheelhouse because it's also not afraid of of being sexy no not at all and um and reaching for creating whatever the director clearly thinks is like a provocative and erotic moment no yeah and honestly i find it a um I find this movie to be more successfully sexy with the same amount of, you know, the same amount of nudity, more or less, than, like, Benedetta. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we, saw, we saw a lot of nudity in that movie, and there was not a lot of sex appeal. He lost a little bit of line in Benedetta, I think. Yeah. It's whereas, one of his less graceful ones. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, this, I think we see just the right amount of, you know, skin, obviously, it's, it's always, it is always going to be Denise Richards. Um, you don't ever see any bit of, of Nev Campbell, and I think that that's fascinating that, like, people were, like, so appalled by her even being in this movie that, like, they were like, meh, to Nev, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, this, this, if I'm not mistaken, and I could have some of my history here a little bit wrong, it's, like, Wild Things and her being in the Scream franchise ruined her. And that's the funny thing is, is those are the only things that I know her from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she, it, it, they typecast her sort of into certain roles, and this kind of deemed her, like, salacious. The Scream franchise kind of just lab- labeled her as a Scream queen, and she never really got, like, big breakout roles, even though she has all the dramatic chops to do it. And that's the problem with um, how society views... Acting and... Oh, I was just going to stamp it on sex. Oh, that's Just fair. in general. Because, like, because of the fact that, like, this movie has, has nudity in it and girl-on-girl action, you know, instantly this movie is, is, is rated R, slapped with that on it, and nobody gets to see it now. Mm-hmm. Because nobody is going gonna, is gonna to want to watch this in 1998, mm-hmm. you know? The only people who are watching this are probably some scummy kids anyway. Yeah. You know, so like of course this this and being a scream queen again another underappreciated genre of film um gets completely like brushed to the back shelf, you know. It's lesser than than generic comedy and the musical category, you know. Yeah. But um no, I find this movie to be just like I was not prepared for the ending. At all. I had no idea where this movie was going to go. Um, 
And when we got there, I was like, holy crap. It was another one of those moments where I was like, they've been building this the entire time for so long. How? How did they have the access to the materials that they needed in order to pull this off? It's just, what? Because also, you know, what's, what's so classic in movies like this is to only show the audience what they need in order to get to a point so that that way, once we do see the person behind the camera, you know, the person behind the, the curtain, mm-hmm. we we get this, we get to, to build the how they did it, you know, how the heist got pulled off. And that's also something that happens so often in noirs is usually at the end, and it's something that Hitchcock kind of pulls into, like, Psycho is usually at the end someone goes and monologues about why it all happened or how it all went down. The Twilight Zone. Yeah, you know, (laughs) like the the old Florida woman who was out there telling her, you know, old, old Sydney, that's not her character's name, old Susie, you know. Old Sydney! (laughs) (laughs) She was was actually secretly uh, uh, this all along, Mm -hmm. you know, like. Yes. And so that's, like, the classic noir thing. You kind of get the same thing in Body Heat, where he sits down and he's like, she planned it, you know? And he, he lays it all out for the for the black cop that doesn't believe him. No, yeah, because it's also, they got away with it so well that they'll never be caught, you know? It's, Even if someone knows how they did it, you can never prove that they did it. Yeah. That's how good they are. No, and I think that that's, I think that that's really difficult to pull off. And I think that these two movies have done a very successful job of mm-hmm. pulling off the switcheroo, you know, this like kind of whodunit clue-esque story of, you know, as the audience, we are the perspective characters, so it's always never like the person that we've been following the most, obviously, because if we did it, then we would be seeing the things that they were seeing, you know, the things mm-hmm. that they were doing. Um, but it's always like, now, who of this cast of... of misfits that we've tacked onto this movie is the person that's gonna that's gonna you know flip the script on us who is the smartest person here and usually it is a woman no absolutely because it's the femme fatale exactly because um um, attraction she's so pretty it's deadly exactly um if you had to to give it a all the president's men to do the right thing summer rating how summer is this movie um okay so how summer is wild things i don't don't think that it is as hot as body heat yeah just in any kind of like like active like sweltering heat i'd give it i guess whatever is like a like a middle point i was gonna say a middle point to like a seven and a half a seven and a half it's a ten point scale Okay, so one being good or one being bad? One being, I guess, currently all the president's men. Ten being. Oh, okay. Right so, thing. okay, okay, okay. Copy, copy, copy. So you're leaning closer to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I was wondering on which scale of yeah. the half you were going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like half five to like seven and a half. Okay. Gotcha. Lovely. Somewhere in there. Sorry, I was like, what? Uh- <laughs> Okay, okay. Um, yeah, no, I think that I'm gonna smack this, like, kind of right in the middle. Um, I think that, I think that Summer of Soul is definitely, like, a warmer, hotter movie. Yeah. Um, than this one, for sure. And, like, even though they have the scene in the, in the pool, it's really... The car wash scene, some of the other outdoor activities. No one looks visually uncomfortable in the heat. Yeah, 
Yeah, and that's the thing. Everyone that's... still looks hot. Exactly. You know, it's definitely not a Michael Bay movie where you know that they've been spritzed 50 times today. And also, it's not body heat where it's that little bit sticking to you, you mm-hmm. know, and... And your hair is just a little bit more loose than you would like it to be. Everyone here looks manicured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious um, looking at either Nev Campbell or um, Denise Richards and thinking, those are teenagers. <laughs> no, that's fair. That's the biggest joke of the whole thing right there. Um, especially Denise, honestly. Oh, yeah. Also, also, their teacher was a scumbag. Sam Lombardo, the the counselor. Yeah, yeah, but that's the point. But the, I, I just hate the fact that the, like his whole thing at the beginning is like I definitely didn't do that, but I was I I didn't rape her, but I was having consensual sex with a minor. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> so that's better. Welcome, Cause, welcome cause, to the moral ambiguity of a noir film. Because we're in love. She's in love with me, and I am fucking her. That's right. <laughs> um, so if you had to rate out of five Wild Things, what would you rate Wild Things? Um, I think that I'm going to rate Wild Things. I'm going to give Wild Things a four and a half. Okay. I think that um, I think that it's doing a really stellar job. I just, there are some points where it's like just shy of perfect, and... Um, I think that for especially for is it being like a representation of of the genre and of our theme, I think that I'm gonna give it that that half a point off. Okay, uh, I'll go I'll go for I'll go for a four and a half as well. I actually think that this is kind of a little bit of an underrated gem. I think that it's gotten some some sort of new love into it again. I think that Matt Dillon was for whatever reason made to be a leading man where he, when he's actually like a fucking idiot uh bruce campbell kind of type or a scumbag you know Mm -hmm. i think that these are more his his wheelhouse i love that kevin kevin bacon was a producer on this movie i love that kevin bacon was in this movie um Um, we have not talked kevin bacon we have not talked enough about kevin bacon it's such a deranged kevin bacon performance it's It's, one of my favorites because you also forget that he's in it entirely at a certain point yeah like honestly like us talking about this like he's totally in this poster right now but he's obviously not matt once the shock of seeing him wears off he vanishes again. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's such an effortless actor, and there's also just like a lot of you know a lot of gravitas. Like I have to give him you know props for for doing that whole full frontal. Yeah. On on camera because like it's so it's so classic for people to be like oh here's some tits and here's another tits and here's a full backside of a woman you know you've seen her top to bottom you know that the person in front of her. Mm-hmm. Who would the, the part that we're not seeing is seeing her completely naked, mm-hmm. you know? But it's it's pretty bold for for any male actor, especially in a film like that. You know, I think that I think that this was you know pretty pretty stellar, like evening it out. Obviously, it's not enough. We see a way more female yeah. nudity than male, but but like, you never see full frontal female. You only ever see boobs. Exactly. Whereas Kevin Bacon, you get a real good look at his Kevin Hogg. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> it is Kevin Bacon. <laughs> That's right. Um 
so yeah, I think that that's kind of where I stand on on wild things. Um, I'll I'll go four and a half as well. I, I I agree. I think that I think that it really it sticks the landing so much where it wants to, and it isn't for everyone, but it is for me. Yeah, it is not for everyone, but this movie is sure as shit for me. No, this movie is this movie is sexy. Also, you know, I think that it it nails it nails that. Really and it has well. chemistry. Yeah, for the sure. The cast has chemistry, even when I don't I think it. Denise Richards succeeds as an actor. I think that she succeeds in having chemistry. Yes, I think that that is one of her strengths, and I think that that's why she is in so many things. Is because she's just likable. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And you want to like her. Yeah, because you know that she's trying her fucking best right now. Like, you can see it. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll move on into our end of the show portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a few little uh, things. As far as what we're watching, honestly, it's just been stuff for the show lately. Um... No, yeah. Um, we did watch All That Jazz. We did watch All That Jazz, did which we... was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never seen it before. We've talked about us watching, I think, Fosse Verdon before, and it was really interesting to see how much of his life he really did just slap into the movie. No, yeah, with like an effortless, like, cheeky wink. Yeah. You know, where he's like, this is my life. It was garbage. Yep. Woo! Enjoy. I wish I was dead. Um, <laughs> that is absolutely me being a piece of shit is fine because i wish i was dead yeah so, exactly so we so i'm gonna keep doing it yeah exactly i'm not gonna until change until i actually die yes many years later <laughs> um but beyond that i did want to let y'all know that we've been actively very excitedly building the collection and and categorizing it once i have the full list i think that i will share it with y'all but we have currently been working on building and categorizing the movie collection itself. Yes, yes we have. Um it's it's been a it's been a whole process. Yeah, we're getting close to being done. I've got a few things that I need to input, but you know, job and and just getting the show ready in general supersedes this little project. Uh, for me during the work week. Well, and yeah, so... you know, but it's it's a labor of love. Oh yeah. No, absolutely. Um but that's why it isn't done completely yet, is just other things happen. And also we have um, more than the average bear of movies. That's so. also true. It just takes a lot of time to type. Yeah, um, yeah, it does. But we're up around a thousand now. We're getting very close. Um, not typed up all the way, but definitely in terms of like just physical count. We're getting really, really close and I'm really pumped to, to um, cross that to cross that line of and to also just go and and share the list once i have the full collection list i can't wait to share it with y'all oh my gosh yeah people can read through our our, our movie yeah and tell me what shit my taste is I'm yeah excited. That's, that's fine mm-hmm. it doesn't matter because there's and something... i'll say fuck you i got green hornet as a joke <laughs> well, also the fact that like once you have like a thousand of anything you're you're going to have some 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 iffy ones in there like mm-hmm. there's just not a thousand great movies of art you know like that's that's not real <laughs> um <laughs> beyond that i did want to also bring up uh the trailer for the monsters Ooh, which just came out yes um it's Rob Zombie doing a family film, which is pretty odd, but it it looks like he really wants to do, like, whatever he feels 
makes him feel the way watching the monsters felt. Yeah, honestly, I think that it looks super cute. I'm I'm really excited about it watching it. Reminds me it. of almost like the like the old Flintstones movie. Yeah, from like the 90s yeah, on yeah, a yeah. Level. You know where they're literally wearing the exact costumes and they're you know they're doing it up because you also know that these people have on a lot of makeup to make them look the part and that sort of thing. Yes, yes, they 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 did a great job. Honestly, it copy and paste. There's there's really no visual difference between. Like what my memory of the monsters is, and watching the monsters, and and looking at these people right here, like you know, usually when you see like a remake of something, you're like, oh, those are definitely not the people. Yeah. Those are for sure, totally one hundred percent, not them. Those people are who knows? Maybe they're dead now. I don't know, but these aren't them. No, absolutely. But no, I, it looks it looks really good, and I'm really excited. It also looks really um, almost like Tim Burton-esque in the like the lighting design kind of like a like a like the the Tim Burton Batmans mm -hmm. where it's like very vibrant colors and like obviously a spooky you know subject matter but really light and, and and interesting well I think that if you go back and think about his Halloween films he plays with lighting washes of whole sets very often mm-hmm um Beyond that, the only other thing that I wanted to say was that um, we do have a new written review out. Uh, I posted it yesterday, if you didn't uh, see it posted on social media. And it's for the new film that just came out today, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Yes! Which I had the uh, very lucky opportunity, thanks to the good people at A24, to go and see at the Independent Picture House here in Charlotte. I saw with friend of the show Nick Delgadillo and uh I I really enjoyed the movie and I I really wanted to try and write a review that that conveyed what I thought um were the were the sort of key emotional things that that resonated with me from the narrative um and so I I hope that you go and and check it out check out the review check out the movie um it's a very sweet, sentimental film without ever becoming cloying and um, saccharine in, in how sort of sweet it is. I think it manages to find a good balance, um, even by allowing itself to sort of slip into an almost sort of Wes Anderson level of, of somber mm -hmm. at times. And I think that that's really powerful and impactful stuff, and, uh, and I think it's definitely worth the watch and definitely go and and check out my review for for some of what I consider I guess the the emotional thrust of the of the film. Yes, I mean to your point, honestly, um I think that emotion is really important and I think that movies provide a, a safe environment to explore emotion and so when everything is just like happy and sweet and um it, it kind of loses its reality in a sense because life is hard and life is hard on every level. Even if you're a child, you know, you could have bad days and, and figuring out how to process that mm -hmm. is, is the journey of life. And, you know, we have these things as resources and having a variety of, of outlets, you know, experiencing anger, experiencing sadness, experiencing just somber, just melancholy, you know, and also extreme happy are, are all important emotions to 
to because it's it's they're like muscles you have to you have to move them you have to flex them or else you know they can snap mm-hmm. um but that's pretty much all that we have for y'all this week please be sure to come and join us next week when we get into a little bit of a crime wave after Ooh. all the heat makes people act up <laughs> that is right and that is so, absolutely correct. I mean, honestly, um, we see it every day with our commute to work. That's right. The heat makes people act up, people. And so please come back next week. Please check out the Marcel the Shell review. Go back and check out our previous episodes. Check out some of the episodes that we maybe mentioned in passing. Um, email us any questions you have. Um, you know, if, if something got sparked in your head hearing some of the discussion that you want to hear a little bit of history you know if you want us to go and do a a history dive that may not even be 100 percent related to the episode that we're doing i can go and look up some stuff for people you know um but you've got to do the work and so yeah you've got to email me the question so we are not mind readers we do not (laughs) feel through the the waves of the phone into the ethernet of the internet we're 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 not that close. We're not that good. So, yeah. Hit us up at thefilmbudspodcast at com. Uh, congratulations also to our dear host, Henry, on his recent nuptials. Yes, the nuptials indeed. Uh, congratulations, you crazy knucklehead. Uh, and uh, to the new missus, uh, congratulations to you both. I can't wait to, to chat with y'all. And, uh, and and potentially have y'all on the show whenever we can uh, arrange that. Yes, it's the arranging is, is the fun part. That is. Um, as always, thank you guys for listening. Like I said, come back next week, and we'll talk to y'all later. Bye! Bye.